Welcome back to Quid Pros Quo. I'm Rin. And I'm Isa. And this week we're going to be talking about writing queer characters. I'm super excited for this episode. Me too. We've been discussing it for a long time. This is like one of the first episodes we conceptualized. It I don't is. know why it took us so long to get to it. <laughs> That's just where it fell in our episode list because we were trying to prioritize certain things for NaNoWriMo. And we're finally like getting to do whatever we want with our own podcast. <laughs> Isn't that so funny how that works? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my first piece of advice, and this is going to sound harsh at first, but I swear it's not, and I will explain it more, and it will sound less harsh, hopefully. But don't write a story about being queer if you're not queer. So if you're straight, don't write about the experience of being queer, but definitely include queer characters. It's a difference of writing about diversity versus including diversity. You should always include diversity, but like in the same way that like I'm white, so I should never write a story about being a black person because I just don't understand that experience. But I should include black characters in my writing because I should not just write, I'm queer, so I should not just write white queer characters because that's kind of boring. Well, it's not as in, boring as it could be. I in could the be general, straight. Within the market, you know, that definitely yeah. is more and, interesting than your run of the mill middle grade fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. But, but anyways, definitely include queer characters and like just do your research. Um, we have one website to recommend that it's been recommended to me several times. I've never used it because they're always like, oh, you're going to write the story about being like queer? You should check out writingtheother.com. And I'm like, oh, thanks. But I am the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'll let you talk because I've been talking for a bit. Oh, man. Okay. Well, yeah, I would definitely say as far as resources go, so if you're turning to this episode specifically to get, you know, a play-by-play of writing, you know, a gay man in the 1920s, you're not going to get that. And I think the same goes for any resource that you pick to use. Yes. Um, We were talking about this right before we recorded But I feel like, you know, there are a lot of popular writing resources for writing perspectives that aren't your own. Whether that is queer, you know, writing color, writing, you know, from different countries, nationalities, religious backgrounds. Like, there is so much, and, you know, no one person can be all of those at the same time. Physically, Mm -hmm. mentally, impossible. But... You know, there are a lot of resources that have been compiled, and yet those resources are not from one omniscient perspective. They're, yes. still, they're still from one perspective or a collection of singular perspectives. And you know what? Like, at the end of the day, with resources, you kind of have to use your judgment and understand that they are not all going to be nuanced and that there is no one right way to write a character, a queer character exactly. in our case for this episode. But Yeah. One thing you said right before the episode, before we started recording, and I wish we had recorded the earlier conversation because it was so good, but you said there's no one ideal representation, and I thought that was really good. It's true. It's like, do you think that every lesbian experience can be boiled down to one representation? No. If you do, I mean... 
That, this I is like don't a you know what problem. to say. I don't know I what don't to know say how honestly. To you that problem. You know that's that runs a little deeper than you know <laughs> than what we can deal think, with. But yeah, if you think any one experience can be boiled down, down to one ideal perfect representation then, that's just wrong that's just yeah because life is not that simple it's not and there are so many people who come from a variety of backgrounds who live their lives in different ways who like even even siblings who might be like maybe they're both gay but and they were raised in the same family same background they are not going to experience that the same way yeah they're exactly. not going to, just they're not yeah and Especially because, like, life just shows such different things to us. Because, like, I think about, like, me and my siblings, because two of my siblings are also queer, but they have such broadly different experiences than I do. Like, I go to a religious university. My older brother, who is gay, does not go to university. Or he might be taking online classes now, but he doesn't have the traditional university experience of my younger sister. And that impacts in different ways. Exactly. And my younger sister is at a secular university, and she's having a blast, and I'm maybe not having such a blast at being queer at my religious university, but that's a story for another time. A story for another time. But anyways, no, that is a good example of how, you know, even... Even in, people from very similar backgrounds, backgrounds will have different experiences. Still not experience it the same way. Because they're different people. That's true. That is so true. Like... I know other non-binary lesbians, but we just have such different experiences because we're different people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, segueing into our next point, um, stereotypes aren't always bad, but you have to be careful which ones you include. Because, like, I was on a panel for like, an educational panel by like, queer students to educate straight students earlier this week, and then, like, someone asked a question about, like, stereotypes and, like, if we feel like we fall into stereotypes or if we don't. And one of my fellow panelists was like, yeah, I fall into some stereotypes. Like, the one that gay people just, like, can't sit properly, like, I think that one's so funny and I totally fall into it. Like, I'm always sitting in, like, a weird way. Like, I also fall into that stereotype also with, like, one, like, tucked up under me. Currently, my legs are twisted around, like, themselves, like, two times, like a pretzel. Um... So, so that's like a funny stereotype to include, but like you sh- probably should include, you know, all your queer characters shouldn't be thin, white, and cis, you know? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Stereotypes can be harmful. Yes. And can further generalize. And, you know, while I wouldn't say that every single person will look to literature to inform them about, you know, maybe, you know, if somebody had never met a lesbian in their entire life, which I doubt at this point. Yeah. I doubt. I mean, it depends on how old they are when they're growing up. Because when I was 12 and moving to California, I'd never met a lesbian before. Well, you wouldn't know that you'd met one. You're right. But you might have. Anyways, that's besides the point. But, you know, like, if people go to literature to become educated about, well, queer people in our case, I do not think that that's the best resource to get educated about that. But people will inevitably internalize something of what they read or, Mm -hmm. you know, take in. And so you could say that there is some 
some responsibility on the part of the, you know, the, the creator, the writer, you know, the artist, whatever, mm-hmm. to make sure that they're not only including stereotypes. Yes. Like, if you have a broadcast of queer characters and you know, are also there like are some stereotypes diverse. Um, here and there, but not every single one represents, like, you know, the what lesbian you would stereotype, the gay man stereotype. Yeah, then, then you know what? Then you have a more diverse cast, and it's not like you're getting away with having stereotypes. It's you're representing lots of different people mm-hmm. who are also queer, and like, anyways. So yeah. there could be some responsibility on the part of the creator. Oh, absolutely. But I do think that there is also responsibility with the consumer. Yeah. And so if you worry that you're going to write something that will accidentally be a stereotype and you're worried that that will be interpreted poorly on part of the reader, then, like, you know, it's okay to have that concern, but you have to understand that you're only half of that equation. Yes, you know? exactly. Like, literature is not just in yes. a vacuum, but it is also not just what has been created mm-hmm. and who is creating it. It's... How is that being consumed? Exactly. And, like, when you were talking about all this, one stereotype I thought of was, like, the idea of non-binary people always being represented in, like, aliens or, like, cyborgs or robots or stuff like that, which is, like, kind of cool. And on one hand, I know, like, some non-binary people who like that because they're like, oh, yes, we're ethereal, otherworldly beings and we're just so cool. But on but the other hand, other hand it's so when those things are the only things that have been allowed or, you know, have been per- portrayed yeah perpetually like portrayed as being non-binary then it's it's cool if non-binary people would like to be seen as these like otherworldly beings awesome claim that for yourself if you like but to have that be the only acceptable mode of being non-binary in literature not ideal. Ever. Yeah. No, and like I said, it's like dehumanizing. Where's the diversity? Where's the humanity? For exactly. Sure? Where's the humanity? Yeah. Yeah. So be careful with stereotypes because they're not always bad, but they often are. I think that's our takeaway from this segment of our conversation. Um, another key thing I think we you should think about is like what inclusion looks like and think about that because like... If you're including characters just for the sake of, like, the market... Winning diversity points. Yeah. Then you're not doing it for the right reasons, you know? Like, if you're including characters because you want to have a diverse cast, and you want to have a diverse cast because you recognize that that will reflect life and that will make your work more lifelike and realistic, because, like, there even has to be a sense of realism even in, like, fantasy worlds, right? That's true. I mean, I wouldn't say that all writing necessarily has to be realistic, but I do think, but I am not saying with that statement that writing should not be diverse. Yes. You understand what I know saying? what you're saying. Yeah. Because like, I, I definitely do not want to see real life portrayed on the page all the time. Exactly. But I do want diversity all yeah. the time. And also, a lot of people write, like, historical fiction and, like, justify not having any, like, queer or black characters because they're like oh they didn't exist then I'm like what are you talking about like I was doing research <laughs> do you understand anything about history yeah good like Lord. yeah um I, I was doing research for my Alice in Wonderland story that I published and I learned that there was actually like 
because Britain colonized India and they brought like Indian people back to Britain with them, there was actually a lot of diversity in like the Victorian era. So like one of my characters is is Indian. Like I don't like specifically say anyone is British or anyone is Indian because most of the story takes place in Wonderland, but in all my character sheets, she is like brown skin. Just I don't I can't remember like what else it was specifically Indian, but she's like not a white person, which is my point. And it's like you need to realize that history is like way more diverse than you were taught in middle school. Yes, history is diverse and it is good even in fantasy works to you know, keep in mind specific pieces of representation and, you know, not just like a generalized person of color amidst a white fantasy race, Mm -hmm. you know? Because that is definitely... Well, to your words earlier, A, not realistic, B, unsatisfying. Yes! Super unsatisfying and really a disservice. Yes. To every reader, everywhere. Um, You know, like, if you, if you, like, I know this episode is about writing queer characters, but just rolling with this. You know, if you write a person of color and you just make them a generic person of color who is just not white and has nothing else notable about them to (laughs) separate, then... Have you really written a person of color, or have you just not written a white person? You know what I mean. That's really like, is that a really, good point. Is that really diversity, or is that just you making sure that you don't just have white people? Yes, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, you I could, you're you could see something similar with queer people, which again kind of feeds into like the stereotype thing we were discussing. Like, if you just take a bunch of stereotypes, slap them on somebody, but don't actually want to reference their identity, and they just become this, like, queer entity, that's fine, because some people do identify that way. But on the other hand, you're just really calling attention to the not straight part. Yeah. Like, are you writing... It doesn't feel genuine at that point. It just feels like you tried to make something queer without really committing to. Yeah, it's like, are you writing a, quote, queer experience, or are you writing a queer experience? If that makes sense. I hope the emphasis comes across in the video. Because <laughs> we have, like, face-to-face, not video, the recording, and we have face-to-face conversations. And our last tip, just as we're running out of time here, is you should get a queer beta reader who falls into the category you're writing. So if you're writing a lesbian, you should have one or more lesbian beta readers. Because then they're going to be able to say, hey, maybe this stereotype is harmful, or this stereotype, or you could add in, like, more of this idea or this part of the experience. And I think that's a really helpful way to write any minority, really. That is so true. And you know what? Having beta readers to watch for specific things happens more frequently than you would think it would Mm -hmm. and it's not just something special that was invented to verify that you know you're respectfully writing queer characters but you know like if some authors write medical elements in their stories and need 
you know, doctors or people who work in medical fields to go over it. And it is really not a big deal or a strain on anybody's time or effort to be like, hey, I need a beta reader who fulfills X, Y, or Z, or all of the above. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's it's just a normal part of the industry, honestly. Yeah, so exactly. So it's not like you're going out of your way, these extra steps, and oh, mm-hmm. that's so hard to find somebody. You can find someone. Yeah, like our when we took the Brandon Sanderson lecture at our university last year, I remember he talked about like, finding a beta reader who's like you know an engineer or something if you're writing a lot of engineering like he was in his like space book so like yeah it's just it part of the industry all around, like religious characters who you might not be not that as familiar like yes research can get you far but having somebody having a first-hand experience will get you farther that is so true and I have one last parting thought that I have remembered and forgotten at different points during this discussion. <laughs> okay, go so for it before times. you lose it. Yes, before I lose it, I would like to point out that when you are including a queer character, okay, oh my gosh, character, <laughs> I'm so sorry, a queer character, that you do not have to suddenly create an entire cast full of characters to justify the traits that you give this one queer character. Oh, that's such a good point. Like, you know, if you if you want to represent a queer character and you've developed this character and they are, you know, like, however, however you've rounded out their character, you don't have to justify that by making them, you know, fall in love or call attention to them not falling in love or you know provide a bunch of other queer characters to reflect the other elements mm-hmm. of being queer you do not have to capture the entire queer experience with 50 characters in a book yes. or a short story to justify the queer character that you are exploring exactly and also just like one more note you can't write the whole queer experience into one book you just can't because like you we can't. said there's no I- one ideal representation. Yep, and I know some readers look for the ideal representation. Some readers look for everything. Some are ready to fact check you. And the thing is, they haven't experienced the entire queer experience either. Exactly. They haven't. And so yeah. I think just you being mindful and doing, doing what you can, that is enough. That is the bar. And you know, once it moves on through publishing, it's out of your hands. You've done what you could, and yeah. you should feel good about it. And you did done. your best. Absolutely. And yeah. that's what we're asking for. That's all we're exactly. asking for. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. Sorry this episode got a little long. Next week, we'll be talking about our writing journeys, which will be so much fun. So we hope you join us next week. Uh, I'm Rin. And I'm Issa. And this has been Quid Pros Quo.